What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Common Sense, the podcast. We got a return guest. I'm super excited about this. Welcome back to the show, my man. What's going on, G Money? Y'all welcome Tony Hills back to the podcast. You were like episode four in season one. Early. And I went back and watched that, and I was like, I need a revamption show. I need, I need to redeem myself. Like, I, that was a really good show, but, you, but not having much experience doing this, I mean, I over-critiqued the hell out of it. And I was just like, man, we've, our relationship's changed and grown yeah. since then. Yeah. We're both doing so many different things now that I was like, I got to get you back on the show. And I'm yeah, super man. happy to have you here today, man. Man, I'm honored, man. Uh, Man, congratulations to the growth, man. It shows, you know, one of the things we'll talk about, you talk about money is about the consistency, how you have to be consistent. And so I've been seeing you, man. You're putting them out. And you, you have some really good guests, man, that drop some really good, you know, knowledge, too, some information on different topics. So yeah. happy to see that everything is Thank moving Thank you, man. Right I appreciate direction. that. Yeah, we, we try to bring a variety. That's why p- people ask me a lot of times, like, to really define it and narrow it down. I'm like, well, that's really hard. I mean... I think you, you want to have common sense in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't want to have common sense just about one thing. Correct. So, you gain common sense by going through experiences and making mistakes. Yep. And then that, those mistakes and those experiences allow you to not have to repeat those things. And you gain that knowledge. Absolutely. So, I feel like people need to keep that in a wide breadth of things. Yeah. And, you know, so, you know, I've been fortunate to have a lot of great guests and there. You know, we try to mix it up a lot. I haven't had many return guests, but uh, mm-hmm. excited All to right, dig well, into hey, this man. with you, man. I'm the first one. I, I take that. I like being first. You, you one of the first. Like You're that. the first return <laughs> guest. All right, but I was going to say, but you're making me feel special over here, man. You, 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 definitely, Absolutely. though. But, yeah, no, man. Um, I, I agree with you, man. Um, you, you know, at the end of the day, we are we are an evolving people, Right. Uh, and I think we're all striving for perfection, whatever that looks like for us, for yeah. whatever it is that we believe in. So at the end of the day, um, in order to pursue that, you have to pursue different entities because you have to have different knowledge. There's a, there's a, a famous uh, quote that, that says, um, be knowledgeable in all things, right? Be knowledgeable in all things. And so that's what I just try to be, you know, be be not ignorant to many matters, but be knowledgeable in all things. That's how the complete quote goes, right? And so that only happens through experiences. That happens through yeah. network, right? So I think that's what it's all about. Yeah. So before we dive in, because I know once Tony and I get started here, I'm going to forget <laughs> to do this. So everybody always asks, what are we drinking? What are we smoking? Mm. So we both started out with uh, DC's New Genesis, you can get these here at Industrial. I, this is now the second one of these I've smoked. These are phenomenal. Yeah, they're pretty good. DC partnered with Luciano and crafted this fine specimen of a cigar here. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit floral. It's a little bit sweet and a little bit of spice, not much. It stays pretty consistent throughout. Real good burn, very solidly constructed. As you can see, I've been on this one for a little bit. Um, he just lit his, so it's kind of a little fresh thing there. Mm-hmm. We also it's taking its time, which is good. Yeah, it's one you can just kind of slow burn and savor. It doesn't. It doesn't burn fast. It doesn't burn slow. It just right stays right in the lane. Um, we also got the limited edition white labeled principle here. 
um, that hopefully we'll get to on the show as well. This I've, I've had this on here. You guys have seen this one before. I, I'm going to keep buying these till they don't have any more up there. Mm-hmm. Like This is just a real good smoke to have up there. As far as drinking right now, the, the guys in the locals just did this pick from 6th Street. It's a rye, 10-year rye, coming in at about 124 proof. It don't drink like 124 proof, and it doesn't have your typical rye characteristics, but a 10-year rye that the locals put out, they did the Rye Brothers. Um, This was a series of two. These are excellent right now. I also brought out the Woodford Double Oaked, and we got a 10-year or 9-year redemption over here. So we'll probably get into a little bit of each of those throughout the show. For sure. Well, much needed. Yeah, right? It's been one of those days. I know, man, I had to do that. I went to the gym today, and I, I, I felt like I took some pre-workouts. And I'm like, work was so bad, and I just had to get out of there. Yeah. I went to the jungle and just threw some stuff around, man. I felt good getting in the gym today. Yeah, like, man. it was one of those where you had to get it out. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, without further introdu- without further furthering this much more, we ain't going to do like we did last time. Most of you know who Tony Hills is. <laughs> you know, former NFL player, played like 10 years in the league, Super Bowl champion, played for the Longhorns, was on the Vince Young, that amazing oh, team that killed my Sooners all the time back then. That's right, baby. I know that just makes you <laughs> smile when I say Every, that one. It makes my teeth white. You and Jonathan. Yeah. Getting all over me about that one all the time. But yeah, and. Tony has his own company with Stat Financial, Mm. and we're going to dive into money matters and education about money today. Yeah. Um, This ain't going to be a football interview. If y'all want to hear about more about his football career and stuff like that, go watch the first one. (laughs) Season one, episode four. You can get all that you want on there, and he's done so many interviews about football. He's probably tired of doing interviews about football. Uh, Well, (laughs) I'll tell you this. It's, it's the fabric. It's, it's a fabric that's woven into my being. Right? Mm-hmm. That's where I started. But I think that we're all wanting to elevate. So it's cool to see, to look back now yeah. and reflect, having a cigar yeah. inside a cool building instead yeah. of being out there for training camp. <laughs> yeah. um, but I love where we're headed. I love where we're headed as a company. I love where we're headed as a team. Uh, I love what we're doing financially. I love the lane we're in. So... Man, I just got a lot of love going on right now, man. <laughs> I understand. I understand. So what, what are your thoughts on the state of how our youth and people of our generation are being educated about finances? I think that it's uh, – okay, so let, let's, play, let's play in this arena. I think that what has happened is the youth have started seeing how important finances are. And so because of that, they're the ones that's causing the most change, right? I'll give you an example. There's a young man in Houston, uh, and and I can't think of his name for the life of me, but he has a company called uh, Wealthy Alliance. And his whole initiative is about sharing, like, uh, crypto knowledge and Bitcoin and all that and getting that information into schools. Uh, And he's been able to accomplish that. And now not only has he accomplished that, but he's also been able to have a reach out in Jamaica as well. Right. So I see a youth movement right now where finance is important. Um, people are starting to get more engaged as it pertains to finance. 
And, and then another thing, too, is shifting the, the old school thought process on what wealth is, right? Yeah. I, I think that, you know, the, the million-dollar nest egg, when you talk to financial advisors, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm a wealth strategist. That's different. Uh, but when you talk to a lot of financial advisors, the million-dollar nest egg, draw a percentage off of that in your retirement, go live a good life. The young kids are like, why do I need to wait to 65? Why don't I find yeah. uh, a way to create speed with money? And what does that look like? E-commerce, uh, you know, everything that they're doing online with uh, the drop shipping stuff uh, with Amazon, um, uh, finding uh, different subscription platforms that they're, they're going on and creating these, these value markets. Um, so I think the youth are really pushing and shifting the thought process of what is wealth and what is finance to them. Where, with that being said, where do you go to try and find your your information? Like, what what do you think are some yeah. like really good sites or places when you're when you're trying to get more educated on money matters? Yeah. So, man, I always start with the books, right? Because I, I feel like that's where the knowledge is held. So, you can go to uh, Killing Sacred Cows by Garrett Gunderson. That's a good one. He talks about the financial market, and he has a thought process on that, about uh, the old adages about money being power. His thought and his belief is no money. Money is directly correlated with the value that you bring to the market, right? The money has no power. It's the people that have the power, right? And I think that that's important. You can go uh, with uh, the creature from Jekyll Island going into the We're going to dive into that. Right? That's a good one. Um, I don't uh, know if I that, – that book has messed me up so bad yeah. since you suggest that to yeah. me. And <laughs> I'm still not all the way through the audio. It's a lot. I'm one. really glad that I did the audio like you yeah. recommended, but I bought the hardback yeah. just to have it. Yep. And I told my wife, you need to dig into this. Like, this is something I think you'll – really enjoy mm -hmm. going through. Yeah, We're going to dive into that one for All sure. All of that, today. you know, Yahoo, CNBC, like they're in the information age. I think what I want people to get out of this is instead of just listening to what these quote unquote professionals tell you, think about what you want life to look like for you. Right. And then find somebody that emulates that life for you financially. See what they do and see if those strategies, because it's all strategy. See if those strategies work for you. And if they do, start to take the necessary steps to educate yourself. And then not only educate yourself, but then start to implement. And I think that's where a lot of people fail is the implementation aspect. Absolutely. Right? So for me, that's where I go, man. I go to the books. I go to the sites. Um, I th there's another one that I'm, I'm trying to think of, Alpha. I think it's called Alpha.com or SeekingAlpha.com. That's another one. Talks about a lot of the things that's happening with investments and all of that. So, to, so that you can understand the markets and things of that nature. So it's out there. What, what do you advise people or how do you go with that when you talk about, because you said the biggest thing people don't do is implement. Yeah. So that person that is filling their brain with all this knowledge and stuff, how do you coach them or what, where do you tell them to start? Like what, what, what is this, like maybe a simple step of, of something to help yourself build wealth or go down that right path of saving more money or, or how do you make them look at that or to help them take that first step? Because a lot of people are really just scared, I think, they are. to take that first step. They are. The first step is going to always be with your roadmap. If I, if I told you, and I always use this example, if I said, hey, look, I have a 
I have five million dollars waiting on you right now. Five million. And where are you from? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. What part? Claremont. Claremont, Oklahoma, right now. I got five million dollars waiting on you in a house. It's not it's not drug money. It's money that we dropped off for doing a contest. And if you can get there, but you can't use a map and you can't use your phone, you just got to start from where you are and find your way there. Here's the address. As much as you are going to try because you're going to be driven to get to that money, you're never going to get there because you need a map. And so and when we're talking about wealth, in my opinion, we call it financial foundational leverage. It always starts with budgeting, because if I don't know what my money is doing, then I don't know how to direct my money. My money is directing me. That's why you hear people say, man, I got more bills than money at the end of the month. Well, no, that's not that might not necessarily be true. It might be that you're spending your money frivolously and you're not paying attention to it. And because of that, now you don't know where your money's going. So when we look at statistically, right, about this whole budgeting thing, if you graduated from high school, there's a 16% chance that you're going to budget. If you graduated from college, there's about a 32 to 33% chance that you're going to budget. That's still about 60, almost 70% of people that are not budgeting. So then you go and you dive into where we are as a country as it pertains to debt, right? Yeah. Credit card debt is through the roof right now, the highest it's ever been, right? People are paying. And then how does that, how does that um, dis disrupt your finances? Well, if your credit score is bad and you try to get approval for a car, that's 22, 23%. Right. So mm -hmm. now your, your car payments are high. Your, your rent. Right. If you're if you're somebody that's renting in uh, not even an apartment, let's say you want to rent a house. Right. Now it's not just first and last. They might want three months <laughs> up front because your credit is so bad. So we're, we're, these particular things that we don't see are taking and I call it ciphering away from our wealth. And it's all because we're not starting with the basics, which is budgeting to understand how to make that money work for us, how, how to direct it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's something I'm, I, I even struggle with. Like mm -hmm. it's, you know, putting that together and finding out because, you know, my wife is one of those that like sets up everything. So she wants paper statements mm. on everything. Mm. She, she ain't doing, school. Yeah, she ain't doing the online. So no, send me my paper statements. So no, no QuickBooks, no self-pay, none of that. No. Got no. it. Not even the spreadsheet. No. I mean, she makes her own spreadsheets. That, we'll, we can go with that. Yeah. So she does that. But I'm. Everything's set up on auto. Tell your wife I give her mine for free. She had a stat financial budgeting sheet. I give it to her for free. She'll love it. All right. I'll let her know that. <laughs> She'll probably really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she, uh, you know, we go through it, and it's like I have so much stuff to just auto pay. Yeah. It gets to the point where you just do that, and then even though your lifestyle may be elevating, it's just stuff's just constantly going out. Yeah. And you, you just, you know it's taken care of. Correct. But you ain't keeping a tie leash on it. No. And you want to know one of the main things that, that uh, steals from people's pocketbook? Subscriptions that you no longer use. Mm-hmm. That's one of, like, and, and, I, and I don't get that from any statistical data. I get that through my clients. Yeah. Right? So my clients, a lot of my clients will be going through looking at their budget, and I'm like, okay, what, why do you have Hulu, Disney Plus, Netflix, the list goes on and on and on. What is this? And they don't even know. And it might have been something that they did two, three, four, or five years from now. Yeah. Right? And they just had it on auto pay. Right? Yeah. That's the reason why we have to budget because, okay, the $9.99 might not make much difference. Now the $10 might not make much difference now. But 
in a year you spend one hundred and twenty dollars that you just give into a company. And really, that's the reason why companies love subscriptions, because they're counting on that. And they just sneak it up. And then, then it's nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, well, I didn't notice anything. So, like, yeah, it's fine. We'll, we'll just keep rolling with it. Correct. It's like gym memberships, like the number, number one money maker. Like, I forget the stat I saw, but like 80% of people or something like that don't actually use their gym membership more than like the first three months. After that, the majority of their bankroll yep. is people that are just continuing to pay for the membership and aren't even going. Correct. Because it's the, you have the, I would say, my opinion would be, it's probably the New Year's resolution crowd. Mm. This is my year, the year is, this is my year, the year, this year, this year, this year. And you go in there for about maybe two, three months, maybe. And then after that, you're never going back. And you forget about it. Well, I can say this year, at Lifetime, that New Year's resolution crowd hung around, man. I was so <laughs> ready for them to get out. I'm like, y'all are messing up my workout. Like, can you please get off of these machines? Like. Well, you should have been gone a month and a half ago. Lifetime is a little bit more expensive, so that's why they probably hung around a little bit more. Right. They, they, that membership, they would notice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly. Well, once you get somebody through the door and they're, they're, they're budgeting, mm. what, what, are the, what are the next logical steps? Like, so, so you've got some excess money. Yeah. You know, whether that's you've got an excess hundred dollars a month or you got a thousand dollars a month Mm -hmm. where do you start telling people do you do we is it better to save for a while and build that up or is it better to get them to start taking some action and doing something with it even though is is there a certain limit you need to start with there's you know because i know you guys also you know you get deals where some of these guys you got to have two hundred fifty thousand dollars to even play ball yeah with some of these financial advisors and mm-hmm. gurus and stuff like that but what about the common everyday person that just trying to do something that's our market yeah right that's our market and so our, our process is very simple uh and, and that's one of the reasons why i, I was pushing the, the budgeting plan that we just have we just started with us that financial budgeting plan i love this tool what it does is it it allows you to put all of your information in so your income and your expenses and what you have in savings all of that yeah and then it it categorizes, uh, it systematically categorizes how much of that income is being spent just on what we call the, uh, the cheap operation of life, right? Meaning like your rent, your car note, your insurance, all of that. And so you'll have somebody come in and they're spending, let's just say they're spending 80% of their income goes to just being able to live. That doesn't leave them a lot of money left over, right? Yeah. So what we do is we start now going through like a fine-tooth comb and finding spaces to be able to maneuver money to save in certain areas, right? So, all right, listen. All right, maybe you, you can't pay the yard man anymore, $30, $40, $50 a week to cut your, to cut your lawn. Mm-hmm. You, you got to invest in the lawn more. You're going to have to put in some, some sweat equity and get out there and do it yourself. But... That just put that money back into your pocket. There's a win there. So we just start finding little wins. And when we get that number down, our first target goal is 70%, right? So we do what's called a 70-20-10. 70% of that money that we have takes care of our lifestyle. 20% is for whatever we want to do. And then the 10% is a savings mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. And so we want to scale them all the way back till we get to 50, 30, 20. That's the common area goal. But we get to those numbers as their increase, uh, as their income starts to increase. So they might have some of them if they're if they're single. Like we have some young clients, they're working, uh, you know, two or three jobs. Yeah. So their income because they don't have any kids, they don't have any responsibility. 
So that is going to look di vastly different than the person that has a wife and kids at home, right? Yeah. So maybe that person that has a wife and kids at home might have a side hustle. Okay, cool. We're going to do the same scenario financially with your side hustle money, right? So if we say, okay, we're at a 70-20-10, then 70% of your side hustle money is going to go to help the things that you have going on in the house. 20% of that is going to go, now you can add it to your pot. You go, you know, blow the bag money, right? Yeah. And then that 10% of that side hustle money can go to your savings. Once we start getting that to roughly around $500 consistently a month, that's when we start talking about putting that into, you know, insurance. Let's put it into insurance. Let's put that savings there and allow that money to, to earn contractual compounded growth over time while increasing your net worth through the death benefit as well. Right. Yeah. Because as a, as a provider, and, and this is speaking to the men, but as a provider, you want to make sure that your family's taken care of in case something happens to you. Right. And so in women, so let me shout out to my ladies, too, because they're out here doing their thing as well. You want to make sure that your children and your family's taken care of. Yeah. Well, the one thing we know that is permanent is death and taxes. So if we're talking about passing down an, an immense amount of wealth for a little bit of cost, the only thing that does that is life insurance. Yeah. So it's kind of like not taking the fad diet where it, it, you're making it so it's sustainable That's to where it doesn't, they're not feeling an immediate impact of like, hey, I just lost, you know, 10 pounds. And then two months later, well, I just gained 20 pounds mm -hmm. and it's painful. While I'm on this diet, I can't live my life the way I want. And I'm absolutely miserable. Yeah, because it, the, the, it's the psychology. Money is psychology. Yeah. So, like, it, it, if you tell somebody that is, might be putting back $100, hey, we're going to put back $600 a month, they're going to look at you like, man, where am I going to get that from? Yeah. But if we say, hey, look, we're going we're gonna to find a way to take that extra 50 and add it over here to your 100 till we get to our target goal, right? Now that's, they can see that. Yeah. And so now what has, what has happened is, is that, and again, in, in our data, what we're seeing with, uh, with the clients that we bring in, a lot of times their money is being spent by double dipping in the food space. So they'll go to the grocery store, but then they'll spend $200, you know, a month or $300 a month eating out. Well, if we stop that, then we can shift this whole, your whole financial trajectory of where you are right now and say, instead of 300, listen, we're going to scale that back to $100, right? Why? Yeah. Because you need to be eating healthier anyway. Right. And so, well, the biggest thing they say is, well, I want the experience. Great. That's why we put this percentage in so that you can have those that experience. But your money is telling you that you can't do this every other week. You might only be able to do this one time a month. That's the discipline that it takes. Right. And, yeah. and, and once we once they start to see the, the end result, because we work backwards, then they jump on board. So we gradually walk them along. Yeah. Yeah. Baby steps. Exactly. So we talk about the, the, the financial advisors, you know, they're dealing with people that are already making a substantial amount of money. Right. I look at it like uh, Tim Grover talked about how he trained uh, Michael Jordan and, and Kobe Bryant. And everybody would say something to the effect of, oh, it's easy. You, you're training the best players in the world. If you think that it's easy to get the best players in the world better, then I know you don't understand sports. Yeah. Because they're already so skilled in so many things. Where do you find the small percentage to say, hey, this is where you can get better at? And how do you talk to them in a manner that they're going to respect you and even listen to you because they already think they're the best in the world? Exactly. So now, okay, yeah, if a guy's making 
you know, $200,000 a year, okay, it's easy to be able to talk to that person about where their investments need. But what about the person that's making 50, 60, 70, 80,000? How do you help them to create a lifestyle for themselves for retirement? Because ultimately, that's where we want to get to. We want to get to a point to where I didn't just put in 40 years for these particular companies for me to just work till I die. Yeah. Who wants to do that? That don't seem fun to me. No. Right? No. It, and finding a balance there. So how, how did you sit on this? Because I know, I know you've kind of played in both of those arenas. Yeah. How, how did you decide where your passion was with that? My thing is, so I'm just going to say for me, and, and, and this is no disrespect to anybody that's a financial advisor, in sports, you are, you are rewarded when you execute, right? So, for instance, the more I execute my singular battle with this defensive lineman or these linebackers or a blitzing corner or the scheme, whatever, just me individually, the better I execute, the higher percentage of, of, a, of a chance it is for us as a team to do well and win, right? Mm-hmm. And vice versa for everybody on there. I, I don't think that it's right that if I'm a financial advisor and you're entrusting me to manage market risk, right? And I don't do a good job at that in any year that I still get paid even though I lost. So you lost money, but I gained money and it's your money that was lost. To me, that didn't sit right. That's an intrinsic value that didn't work well for me. So that's why I stopped pursuing my licensing. I didn't stop pursuing the education about the market. And I, and I do believe that there's a space for financial advisors, Uh, but for the people that I deal with, they can't afford to lose money, right? And it's a smaller space, but it's a blue ocean strategy, right? Because at the end of the day, it's not too many people that are checking for the people that are making less than $100,000 a year. So we'll do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And knowing you, that, I mean, I can see that, like yeah. the way that like, fits with you and yeah. your personality and everything. Cause I know a lot of people can get really wrapped up in like the glitz and the glamour yeah. and seeing this stuff. And then it's like, well, I want to go with this guy because this guy's balling out with so-and-so and whatnot. But then like, I'm not see, for you. If that's what you want, yeah. we're not the company for you, man, because we, we, we're thinking about legacy and we're thinking about how do we, how do we scale? We're at the bottom floor. How do we scale to the third or fourth floor? Because if you start, if you're the, the, the progenerator of, of this thing and you started at the bottom and now we're here, right? Shout out to Drake at the third floor. Then that means that your children get to start on the third floor and they can elevate. And then wherever they stop, their children can go and they can elevate. And I feel like that's pretty fucking cool, man. That's yeah. a legacy thing for me. Selfishly, why I do it is that's a legacy thing. If, I, if, if, if Stat Financial becomes known as the company that, that brings alternative benefit solutions to small businesses and takes people that are economically challenged and get them to a space to where their lives have changed and they have financial stability, that's a legacy play for us. That's, that's what I want our company to be known for. Well, yeah, I mean, you're also, uh, I mean, you're building your own little 5A, like, football team over there. I mean, you just had the newest edition. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to my wife, man. Brittany, if you're watching, I appreciate you. Soldiered, <laughs> she's soldiering out. We got five. I know. We got five kids, man. So she holds it down and allows me to do that. And my two boys. My two boys, man, Tristan and Tylen, they do a lot. I tell you what, by the time they become uh, dads, 
They're going to be ready because they're already doing dad stuff right now. <laughs> <laughs> you got them on double duty for I that do. allowance. Cooking, cleaning, <laughs> feeding the baby. No, no easy job in the Hills house. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Uh, how do you... How do you approach teaching your kids mm, about bro, this? I, I know this a lot of our listeners are going to want to know about this because a lot of them have kids and children. Yeah. How, how do you teach them about respecting money and investing and, and hard work? Because I don't like give that. it to them. Yeah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I don't give it to them. They have to earn it. Daddy got money, not you. Mommy got money, not you. We got to earn it. And I think that, and I put them in adverse situations on purpose because they're my boys and they're going to be men. And as men, you know, like, man, it's hard out here. Like you're building a podcast, you, you work your job, you have other business on the side, you're waiting for those things. You have a vision and a dream for those things to take off. But I'm a, I'm a realist. I realize that you could put your whole being into something and give everything you got. That's why the whole adage of, you know, if you just try hard, you get out there, you can be somebody. That don't always work, man. I know so many people that have tried hard at something and have failed, and they failed often. It's not the trying hard that helps you to become successful. It's the never quitting. It's the persevering. Right? And it's the learning the lessons from failing. That's like the Sometimes your lesson may have been to fail. You have to fail. I fail and fail often, man. I fail every day at something. I'm never winning every single day. I like, I like um, I, man, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge uh, supporter of the message of, of, of David Goggins. Huge supporter, right? You got to put, like, you only, and, and it's been my life. I say this all the time. Everybody sees the trees, but nobody sees the roots, man. You have to suffer. You have to put, like, there, there's, peace is only found through pain, right? Because when you sit back and you reflect on everything that you've been through, you kind of sit back and realize, man, I'm, I'm kind of a badass, man. I, I, I really, like, when you really put the work in, like, if you're somebody that's really put the work in, you know, like, if you're the single mom that nobody gave you a chance, you maybe had your child when you were really young and everybody was telling you don't keep the kid, you're going to ruin your life, you keep the kid, nobody helps you, you out here getting it, all of a sudden you become a CEO of a top company. I think that woman needs to sit back and reflect on all the shit she had to go through, where her kids are and the success they have, and you, you deserve a cigar <laughs> and, a, and a drink yeah. and, and somebody to tell you, hey, fucking good job, right? But you can't get that if you've never been through anything. So for my kids, they're not going to grow up like me. They're not going to grow up like my brother. They're not, you know what I mean? Like my mom did the best yeah. she could with what she had. We grew up in some pretty bad areas. Um, my kids won't. So the, it was the environment that, that raised us. Right. So for me, it's me putting them in adverse situations that's going to help them, Right. Because I'm glad they don't have to grow up like I do. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they didn't have to grow up like I did. And I don't want them to. But at the same time, I also don't want them to be spoiled brats. Yeah. So, and how do, you want, how do you want to get them to have that same desire and work ethic and facts. passions? Facts. Yeah. And, and that, but the thing that I do think that we as fathers have to think about, too, is let's not try to live out our youthful failures through our children. Right. So if you were the dad that might have had some some talent in high school, maybe even played college ball, maybe had an opportunity to go to the league, but you, you, you fucked up somewhere. Yeah. And now you, you, you want a, a redemption chance through junior. Yeah. And he's really good because he has your talent. 
And he probably has the talent to go to the next level, but he really loves computer science. But you can't force him to do this thing when his passion is really this. Yeah. And I see that a lot with, with, with us, man, with men. Like, so that's important, too, to know, you know. But to, to answer your original question, man, I don't give them money. I make them work for it, and I put them in adverse situations, and I challenge them to come up with ways to make money. Cool story. My, my, uh, my second child, my nine-year-old, we were living in, uh, in Midlothian. It's like, and they kept asking me, I was like, no, I'm not giving you nothing. You go figure it out. So every 15 minutes he would come into the, uh, we had a, a home office. Um, and he would come in and ask me how to spell a word. And I would tell him. And I wasn't paying attention because I'm working. I'm like, you know, spell the T-H-E. All right, get out of here. Right? Yeah. And so I noticed after an hour, it's like he hasn't come back. So I get up and I walk in the room. I'm like, hey, where's Tyler? It's like, oh, he went outside. Well, my, my brother's mom is, is driving down the freeway, another freeway, she's driving down the street, and I see Tylen walking back, and she's like getting on him a little bit. And I'm like, what did he do? He said, he, been, he went over here to this lady house knocking on the doors, and X, Y, and Z. What he did was, he said, hi, my name is Tylen, and I will check your mail for $50, or whatever it was, how much money he wanted. So I told him to come up with a way to make money, his way was, I'm about to walk through every one of these houses until somebody paid me $50 to check their mail. <laughs> and I loved it. It's dangerous because, you know, you can't just yeah. be walking in the, you know, the subdivision. Like, but I loved every bit of it because I knew, okay, it's working. Yeah. The, the brain is starting to create. The brain is starting to formulate, you know, ideas. That's what you want. Yeah. To teach them how to be creative like that. Yeah. Is, I think that gets lost sometimes, like you said, that... We, we talked about this a little bit in some of the past episodes when it's been people from my industry on in the construction industry. Mm -hmm. I think we have a big problem coming in. And, and maybe you're seeing this too because you kind of suggested this a little bit. You know, no one's... I think a lot of people in our generation saw our parents or saw certain people's parents making a lot of money owning businesses. Yep. And doing this stuff. So, like, everybody wanted to own their own business. Mm -hmm. I'm coming out this jacket. I told you. You did. So, everybody wants to own their own business. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest problem that started happening was that once you did that, these kids now don't know any skills or trades. So, kind of like you said, my kids aren't going to have to grow up like I did. Yeah. They're going to start on level three. Exactly. Well... What if you're, and like the, what if your dad that owned the business was the best trim carpenter in the world? Okay. And when he brings you into the business because you want to be a part of it, you don't really want to go do the trim carpentry. Mm -hmm. You want to come in on that third floor and you want to be the project manager. Mm. Well, dad feels blessed enough that he actually, I think a lot of our generation, let their kids come in as the project manager. You didn't make them start out going and carrying the lumber or the concrete or whatever on the job site and being the grunt. You let them jump straight to being a project manager. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with it either, but I think that's what's happened a lot. And I have a big concern for our industry that in the next five to ten years, where are all these highly skilled tradesmen going to come from? Because we've outsourced it as a country to other countries for the most part or we've relied on other countries 
people to be these skilled tradesmen and then we make it really hard for them to immigrate here be full-on citizens and everything else but then the citizens that have these skills didn't necessarily pass on these skills the kids either didn't want it they wanted to start on the third floor and then when dad does retire they just want to jump in and run the business but where are we going to find that next generation of kids because we don't have as much wood shop and mm-hmm. automotive and all mm-hmm. these things in school anymore mm-hmm. for the kids to do. And I get everything's getting so technologically advanced, but AI is not going to come out and do all the trim carpentry in your house. No. They're not going to do the level five drywall and the custom faux painting you want done. Yeah. You're going to need a skilled guy to do that. So I, I think my industry is going to be really hurting in the next decade because there aren't those people to do those jobs. I mean... It reminds me of that, that, that old saying, and you've heard it, you've heard it before, where it talks about um, uh, hard times make strong men. Strong men make easy times. Easy times make weak men. Weak men make hard times, right? And so I think that it's a cycle. We're, yeah. we're in a space to where everything, especially here in America, everything is so freaking comfortable. Don't say this. Don't say that. Identify me as this. I have freedom of choice on this and all that. And that's, that's, that's great, man. But at the end of the day, what you'll come to find out is that you, we need doctors. We need teachers. We need lawyers. But, bro, you also need savages. You know, you need guys that's going to get out there and get it done. You need yeah. that. Every society has had it, right? And so... I can see where your concern is. I think that what happens is, is that you still have those people that still enjoy getting their hands, putting their hands in the sand. Mm-hmm. And what will happen is it could be, if we look at this objectively, it could be an opportunity to where now those, those skilled workers become so much of a commodity that it increases their pay scale. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because now if I can't find anybody to do these jobs, the jobs can't get done. So now we have to start increasing the money because the money is what's going to entice the workers. Yeah. So now what happens is it becomes easy because for, for the worker, if you're a worker that is somebody that is, that is dedicated, that goes out there to get, if you just have any type of tenacity to you, you have a potential, you have the potential to become very rich quickly yeah. because they're going to pay you so much more because you're such a commodity, right? Yeah. I think that's definitely going to happen. I think we're going to see that where these guys that we were trying to pay bottom dollar to come in here and do this hard work, they're going to be the highest paid people. It's not going to be these doctors and lawyers. I mean, yeah, those guys are always going to make good money. Yep. But you're going to see this plumber, this electrician, this trim carpenter, this painter, all of a sudden where they used to get paid $20, $30 an hour. They're going to be $100 an hour if you're the best. I met a dude that has a, and and man, we don't really, and and I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned by, by, this business has opened my eyes to so many different things because we're so fluid with how we work and what our offering is um, to our general market. So we have our primary market where we deal with small businesses, uh, corporate execs, and people in the technology sector. But our general market, we deal with teachers, we deal with lawyers, we deal with contractors, we deal with a little bit of everything. 
And it's opened my eyes to the opportunities that are out here. So I met a guy, he has his own plumbing company. His plumbing company uh, contracts, uh, I forgot the other building, but the one I do know is Santander downtown. Okay. They have the plumbing contract for that entire building. So his team is eating good, man, because they go in there. They have to, you know, fix up all the stuff, make sure the plumbing Yeah, they're is on call all the 24-7. So that's what I'm saying. Like, for those people that can see, that can see kind of a little bit into the future of where we're headed, that's going to be a spot. Because what, I'm going to tell you, what do you do with the kids that hate high school and don't want to graduate? Yeah. Guess where they're going to go? Yeah. They got to go to the trade schools and stuff like that. So you're still going to have a market. Yeah. It's just getting somebody and, and building the right infrastructure infrastructure to teach them that. Exactly. Uh, I think we got to put a lot more of that in place. Like I think some people in our industries need to step up and really put that back in the forefront of things for our industry. It's going to probably be the owners. Them. Yeah. It'll probably be the owners that do it. Yeah. Because they're, they got to make, they have to create. They have to create so much value for their business to be sustainable, uh, to, to, to sustain, right? To be sustainable. So they'll probably be the ones that start creating these classes on site of the trade schools. Yeah. It's not going to just be the trade schools. Like you might have owners that start to innovate and say, hey, look, not only do will we hire you, but we're going to put you in our training courses to teach you these things. They're yeah. doing it with technology. Yeah. Like you don't have to go to school to be a software engineer, man. They got so many like different coding camps and stuff. You pay a fraction Online of the cost. Yeah, you pay a fraction of the cost, man, and then you go make a job. And and, and the entry points of this stuff is crazy. Yeah. Like software engineer make on entry hundred twenty thousand dollars easy. Data analyst about ninety ninety five thousand easily. Right? Didn't go to school for it. Yeah. You know, so innovation is happening in these particular times. That's, I, like, I like economic downturns, you know, um, because I'm learning how to master the spaces, the gaps in between. Um, and I think that that's a skill set. Yeah, absolutely. You know? what, are, what are some of the things you're looking into? What, what are you seeing as the big opportunities right now as things are starting to change? Because everybody's just freaking out about the interest rates and the downturns and what president's going to be here and that. And like, creating businesses. Yeah. Creating businesses. Like, like and, and, I'm, and I'm not talking about, like, side hustles. I'm talking about, like, really creating businesses. Finding out where people's problems are and then creating your business off of those people's problems. Like, for us, we looked at it, and I'm, now I'm giving away a little secret, but we, we as a company said, okay, we're staff financial. We have these offerings, right? But I was like, this is cool, but this is not enough. We need more things. And I don't want to wait six to eight months, you know, to, to have, you know, my marketing analyst go become a data analyst or my sales director to go become a, a software engineer. You know, I don't want to wait these, these types. So what do we do? So we partner and we created referral contracts with our partners. So now at Stat Financial, what can we do? We, if you need IT, we got you. If you need trust, we got you. If you need IRS enrolled agents to do your taxes, we got you. Looking for an accountant now, right? And these are people that we built these business relationships with and we circulate clients because all our clients have a need from somewhere. So we're dangerous, man. We're like, a, we're like that. You know where I got this idea from? Hmm. And, and, and uh, Elisha's gonna love this. Uh, a Swiss army knife. Think about the uses of a Swiss Army knife. 
that little joker comes in handy. It got a little bit of everything. Yeah. That's who we are. And we, we did that because we found that there were spaces for people that had these particular problems that we didn't have the answers to, but a business partner of mine has the answers to. So we'll say, hey, we'll connect you and then you pay us a small referral percentage on that, right? That's good business. Yeah. We, don't, we don't hit them over the head, 5%, you know, 2 to 5%, something like that. But why is that? Because as somebody that's a wealth strategist, I'm always thinking about how do we create more passive income streams, yeah. not only for our family, but for the business. But and, and that benefits you too, because if you can help them over here, it frees them up for other things too. Oh man, you know, we so. have an offering with, with, with one of our IT partners where they go in and if you're anybody, you have any type of business, they go in and find savings from anything that is IT. So telecom systems, alarm systems, yeah. uh, software update systems, whatever it is that you have, they have access to over 300 companies globally. They're going to find it. Why is that important? Because it elevates your bottom line. If I can get the same service or higher, it's never going to be lower. It's going to be the same service or higher for less money. I've already added an uh, increase to the bottom line. What, do I, what can I do with that? Well, you need, you're, you're a business that don't offer benefits. We have that. Right. So one of the cool things that a business could do is they can make an offering to where, hey, you, Mr. Employee or Miss Employee, if you stay with us for three years, then we have a, a, a partner that offers benefits to our company that is individualized for you. We'll after three years of being with us, we'll pay your insurance premiums for as long as you work with the company. Who's not going to take that? Right. Right? On top of we offer dental and we offer vision and now we're getting ready to do some other things. So it's like you just got to find the gaps, man, and create yeah. strong relationships. Like businesses, I love business. It's a team sport. I played team sports my whole life. Yeah, it's networking and, you know, building those relationships. This podcast, say this podcast goes viral, Right. We gonna throw it out there. For that. Yeah, we go. We go. We go. Throw that out. <laughs> there. Say this. Like and share. Subscribe. Yeah. All that stuff. Right. Well, this podcast goes viral. Some company sees it. They reach out to us. They have a massive, you know, need. We we service that need. All of that happened. Why? Because one day I seen you doing your thing and went up and said, "Hey." Yeah. That's how this thing works. So, like, right. when they tell you that. You know, your net worth is your network. That's what's important. It's not money. Money is only money doesn't have any intrinsic value. Money is just paper. The, the money is a reflection on the value that you add to other people. And the only way that you can add value to other people is become a problem solver. You have to be a, you have to be a connector and a problem solver. Right. So that's all we're looking for. Where are the problems? How can we solve them? If I don't have the answers, who in my network does? Let me connect you. Boom. That's my value. Can you say that part about the money and the people again real quick? Yeah, I think money, that's very important. Money like, has no intrinsic value, right? Money, like, like the, the Apostle Paul said what? The, that the love of money is the root of all evil, right? Meaning that I, I believe he was saying that, listen, if you, if you are loving money, then essentially you're taking away the purpose of what money is. Money is just a tool to be used based off the value that you add to others. So money doesn't have an intrinsic value. The people have the value. That's why people are so important. And so when people, what do people come with? People come with problems needing to be solved. 
So the wealthiest people are going to be the ones that can solve the problems, right? Yeah, because I think at the end of the day, everybody's really trying to buy time and freedom to do with their time as they please. Like that's, I think sometimes people really lose sight of that. They do, but they're trying to buy time to do with what they please. But what happens when you're no longer worried about having to take care of your economic uh, responsibilities because they're taken care of? Yeah. All of a sudden, you start seeing all these different foundations pop up. You start seeing people go and do other things for other people's foundations. You start seeing people go and travel and help homeless people and help kids. Why? Because innately, after my needs are met and I'm no longer in a scarcity space, then human nature is, man, I want to help somebody else. Yeah. Especially when you start getting older. You start getting to 50, 60 years old. It's like now you're thinking about legacy. Yeah. And I know this because I deal with 50, 60, 70-year-old dudes. It's like, yeah. man, I've done that. I've, I've lived that life. I've, I've talked to the, the most beautiful women. I've did the yachts. I've flown over here. I've been to do. I want legacy. What can I do to help people? That's the only thing I keep hearing from these older people. Right? So that's when I found out. I was like, man, I've been looking at money wrong. I've been looking at money as a way to take care of particular needs. That's okay. But when you take care of others' needs, then the byproduct is that your needs will be taken care of, right? So you reap what you sow, the yeah. golden rule, right? You reap what you sow. So, or what you put in is what you get out. So where are you at with that now? Because you just reminded me, and I ain't seen anything on it in a little while, but you started something called the Legacy Blueprint. Mm. Where, 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 what is the current status of the Legacy Blueprint? The Legacy, Blueprint is, the Legacy Blueprint is an idea, and it's an, it's a, it's a idea to where we're going to be, <clears throat> we wanted to, educate people on different strategies on how they could elevate themselves to a different level. It's still the same premise, but we're getting ready to shift it all underneath Staff Financial. Okay. So we're getting ready to have a, a podcast. Staff Financial is getting ready to come out with a podcast called Ballers and Businessmen. And it's still innately the legacy blueprint, but what it is is it's our way now instead of saying, hey, we want to keep throwing these events to get people. No, we're going to educate people through other people like you're doing. Yeah. And my reach is because of what I've done in my past allows me to talk to corporate execs, athletes, you know, business owners, so on and so forth. And then we'll ask the questions that the people really want to hear. Yeah. Grow that following. And then from there, now we'll start putting on like small conferences, right? Yeah. Business workshops, right? So what, what it's, it's, it's going to morph into that I started it out as a way to get feedback from people about what it is that they want. Yeah. And now with that data, now I'm able to say, okay, we're going to build this thing first because I think that's what happens too. We have such an innate uh, want to help people that we kind of jump out there fast without having all of the details in order. So we scaled yeah. back and said, okay, we got the data that we need. Let's build that up. Let's get that consistent revenue that we want to get in, right? so that we can take that and then start to do these other cool things around it. Uh, and so we just restructured and then revamped and then we're going to relaunch. Okay. Good, man. I'm, I'm glad to hear that's, that's still alive. Cause oh, I, yeah. I know I was at the first Legacy Blueprint event. Yeah. And, and it was really cool to hear a lot of those stories. And that, I get asked this a lot. People that do watch my show or have seen it, 
especially in my industry. Yep. It's funny now. I, I don't get asked about work as much anymore. I'm you're, you're getting me. asked about my podcast yep. and how I know Tony Hills and how I know <laughs> Jonathan Scott or, you know, and it's funny because so many people look at it as just the player, you know, it's, and that was a hard part early on with my podcast because people do want to hear a little bit of the story. Like, so you, you got to give them a little bit of that. Correct. And, and, you know, like, and that's cool and all, but like, there's so much more to it. And then that, that's what I wanted to expose, but it's also hard. And that's why I, I'm super thankful that you've always been so gracious with your time, whether it's me calling you or texting you for a question or involving me in an event or whatever and helping me connect with other people because that kind of thing helps too and, and then the networking aspect of it that you know a lot of athletes and quote-unquote famous people like if you're going to call them famous yeah. because of their sport or their passion they're so worried about what they're going to be asked or how they're going to come across. I mean, I'm even finding this with the music platform that I'm trying to work on getting off the ground. Yeah. And how they're, you know, put a 4K camera on somebody. Some of these dudes don't want to be on a 4K camera and have that, you know, right there in their face. But I really do appreciate, you know, that you've always done that because getting it across to others is like, I'm not TMZ. Like, I don't give a shit what you did yeah. here and there. Like, that ain't why I asked you to be on the show. Like, mm. we're not sitting here trying to have that conversation, nor do I want it to be another football interview. Yeah. And, like, you know, you've done thousands of those over the 20 years between college and NFL that you played football. Mm -hmm. what, I don't, people don't want to know that about you anymore. Like, what's he doing now? What's he, what's he doing with his life now? Like, and, and just getting that across, and I, I'm super blessed and grateful for you guys, especially early on, believing in me and helping me with this because I think it's starting to spread a little bit and show people that, like, I'm not bringing you on here to air your dirty laundry and try yeah. to get a TMZ hit. You know, yeah. like, I, I want to talk about what you're doing now because you guys, fortunately, you know, the dedication you had to put into your craft and the lessons you learned and the mistakes you made along the way are great life lessons. Yeah. And being to the echelon that you got to, you got to be coached and mentored by other great men. Yes. Great teammates, so important. players, coaches, so important. managers, and all that stuff. And, and it's gotten you in access to other things that you've carried that on throughout your life. Man, listen. That, that so many of us, man, we, if, if you can't get over... There's, there's, a, there's some things. Man, you, you got my mind going. There's some things. First and foremost, you got to be authentic to who you are. And you can't give a shit about what people think about. Yeah. If it doesn't line up with what you feel about yourself, and I'm not talking about this, this, uh, this thing where you feel like you're high and mighty. You know what I'm saying? Like you're somebody that does the work. You know, your mind will never lie to you. Your mind will never lie to you. I know what people say, oh, the mind. No, it, no the mind knows you. It has, a, it has a tactical advantage over you. It knows the real you. Like social media and shit, that portrays who you want to be. That's not who you truly are. You yeah. know who you truly are. If you're a lazy bum, you know you're a lazy bum, right? If, if you're a liar or, 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 or cheat or whatever it is that your dark shit is, you know that about yourself. Absolutely. So if you're not constantly working on that, 
and being authentic to yourself, then yeah, you're gonna be scared because at any point you can be exposed, right? But if you have this intrinsic belief about yourself and about, hey, you know what, man, I, I, I am fucked up in this area. But hey, most people that judge, like they only are hiding better than you the things that's in their darkness. That's it. Yeah. So they try to judge you about your shit and it's like, bro, everybody's fucked up. This whole world, bro, is fucked, fucked up. up. It's fucked up. Yeah. And so once you realize that, you can release trying to put on a front for people. Like, you either like me or you don't. Yeah. Either way, I don't give a shit. Because the people that are in my circle, the people that are in, like in my sphere, those are the people that truly know me. Those are the people that I care about. Those are the people that I service, right? Yeah. So it's like, I feel like when you talk about athletes, a lot of that is because they don't want to be exposed or they don't want something to come out. But when you can be authentic to who you truly are, you don't care about that. The other thing is, is that, man, I, I hear you talk about these great men and I'm like, man, one of the things that I've never done, and to them personally, yes, but in public, man, I haven't thanked the Aaron Smiths. Right. I haven't thanked the Troy Palomalus. I haven't thanked the Ryan Clarks. You know, I haven't thanked the Casey Hamptons. Right. I haven't thanked the Trey Essex. Right. The Mike Tomlins. I haven't thanked them in public to let them know, man, I appreciate as me coming up as a kid in the game. You guys taking the time to give me certain nuggets to help me have a career. I had a career regardless of the yeah. ups and downs of it. I had a career and that career came from sitting down with people that had been through places longer than I have and actually taking that information and implementing the things that I believed in and discarding the things that I didn't, but still thanking them for the time. Like, I'll never forget, man, my rookie year, dude, I was like, I'm finna get cut. This is the end of this. Like, I'm trash out here. I don't know what's happening. I can't block nobody. Now, mind you, I'm trying to block James Harrison, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, I mean, damn, like, but at the same time, you go into these dark places. Like, you forget, like, dude, you, you, you were an Outland Trophy uh, Award, you know, person, bro. Like, you were, yeah. you were considered for that. Yeah. Amongst the Jake Longs and the Joe Thomases, you were right there. You forget those things, right? And so I'll never forget, man, Troy sat me down and through a game of fucking Connect Four, <laughs> helped me rewire my thought process. This man got a wife and kids. He didn't have to do that for me. So that's what I'm saying, like deep down inside us as humans, we, we want to help others to be what, what we think that they can be. And that's cool. Right. But at yeah. the end of the day, you have to be who you truly are. And you can't worry about what people think about that because that's going to be a fucked up life. Yeah. If you care about what people think about you, I promise you, that's going to be a fucked up life, bro. Because yeah. you're never going to be able to please people. So stop trying. Right. Yeah. Because everybody thinks people care about you and your shit way more than they actually do because they got their own shit that they everybody do. has their own shit going on and their yeah. own stuff going on. and you think your shit's bad and then you'll sit down with somebody else and they'll tell their story and you're like shit i thought my shit was bad but that 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 trumps everything that i'm over here stressing about like what worry do i have right now man and, and the thing is we can all have the same thought process yeah right the ceo and the homeless man both have the same thought process of, man, I need to make more money. Think about that. Mm -hmm. The homeless man and the CEO of a major corporation both have the same thought process of, I need to make more money. It's about perspective, man. Where we are in life. I know where I am in life and I know where I want to get to. So every day I'm doing the thing that I need to do 
regardless of how it is now, I know what it can be. I think that's what faith is. Yeah. You know, faith is this thing where you have a vision. God maybe have put something inside of you and everybody can't see it. I'm pretty sure nobody saw the point for Noah building a fucking boat on dry land. Right? Yeah. It's like, hey, dude, like you've been at this for a couple yeah, hundred years, dude dog. Doing? You know what I mean? Hey, there goes that guy building that boat, right? <laughs> but oh, when it rained. That dude's crazy. Yeah. Until crazy that fucking drop hit their head. Now they looking for the motherfucker that built the boat too late, right? So it's like you, you can't. You, because what if he would have stopped? What if he would have listened to everybody telling him how crazy he was? Then his whole family would have been destroyed. Yeah. So it's like, man, sometimes your purpose has to be bigger than the ridicule. Your purpose is bigger than the ridicule, so that's going to cause you to continue to pursue it. Because first they ridicule you, and then when you're successful, they bring you on podcast and ask you how you did it. <laughs> right? It, it happens, man. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's funny. And then you, you look at things and all the metrics that people judge you on yeah. and see stuff. And it's like I was showing business earlier today. I, I had somebody else. I have no idea who this person is. They have the most obscure YouTube handle, whatever. There's nothing there. They gave me some of the greatest feedback in almost a full year of doing this that I've received, whether asked or unsolicited. Yeah. And it was so, I mean, like, I've probably read that one comment two dozen times today. Yeah. Just trying to really absorb it and whatnot. But, like, I wish more people would do that. I mean, I get asked all the time, like, how do you put yourself out there? How do you do this and that? And, and not worry about getting trolled. I, I could give a shit about getting trolled. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the only times I've gotten trolled, and I've said this before, is people tell me, like, what, you think you're Joe Rogan? Well, shit, I would hope to be one day. Like, that dude signed some $300 million contract with yeah. Spotify, and he's the king of podcasts. Like, yeah. there is no one better. So, you know, yet... You know, I, I started off a speech. I had to give a speech. I had three minutes this week in front of all my peers at, at this business exchange. I, I got murdered on this. Like, I had this whole thing planned out in my head, and I got up there, and I let off with, like, you know, it's really easy to sit here and do this. Like, everybody asks me how hard this is. This is easy to me. Like, yeah. to sit here and have a genuine conversation with somebody and learn from them and talk about their experiences, their failures, their successes, I mean, I learn stuff, and it's it's an easy conversation. But I got up there. I kind of let off with it. It's real easy to get on a podcast, and you could have a 1,000 people watching you. And I don't even think about that, not once, really. Yep. But put me on a stage yep. by myself with spotlights on me. Give me a microphone and tell me I've got to talk for three minutes. Yep. I froze up. Yeah. I, I talked for maybe 45 seconds. Yeah. I was like, that's all I have to say. Yep. And walked on the stage. Hey, man. But it happens. It happens to everybody. But you, unless you put yourself out there and do those things to experience it, you're not going to have those experiences. You're not, you don't have anywhere to grow. Now, next year, if I have to do this again, my goal is going to be to, like, kill that for the full three minutes. Yeah. Not, not do a 45-second, you know, because I have plans where I want to be able to do this kind of thing at our bigger trade shows and stuff. Well, hell, anybody that saw it, like, hell, he couldn't even stay up there for three minutes. How the hell is he going to do this? Well, you know what? I ain't even thinking about that now. I'm already past that. Like, all right, I, 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 I ate shit on that one. Yep. Like, all right, time to prepare, time to move on and grow on and grow from that experience. Man, listen, 
You tell me somebody, you show me somebody that's never that's never failed, and I'll show you somebody that's never tried. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, now you know. You get up there next time you yeah. it. It's like me, man. Like, I sit on stage and, uh, you know, oh, this, they, they read off these, <laughs> they read off these things when you sit on a, a stage with other people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, like a, a, a table talk or whatever. Oh, this person managed six billion dollars under assets. This person's uh, the, the financial, top financial advisor with Goldman yeah. Sachs. This person is, and here I come, the football guy talking yeah. about money, right? Yeah. And, and and this guy, he 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 won a national championship and a Super Bowl championship, yeah. and now he has a, a financial company. Now, in the midst of financial people, I'm the run of the litter. Yeah. Right. And I don't give a shit. Who gives a shit? Yeah. I'm not gonna judge my three years to your 20. That's yeah. stupid. Well, it's still, I, I think it's harder when it's your peers because you, you worry about saying something wrong or you're, you're more, you're no, more worried about screwing up. No, no. But you got to get past that. Yeah, like, no, I don't, the, I don't worry about saying nothing wrong. Oh, I was talking about me personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, know, like, yeah. That yeah. was my experience of getting yeah, up man. there. I would challenge you not to worry about that. Yeah. It, How can you say something wrong if you're speaking from the heart? Right. But you start seeing these people that had, I had, I had the idea that I was going to say some funny stuff and just kind of... Yeah, you went in so premeditated. I went into premeditated. <laughs> and you know what? That was, that was the wrong strategy because yeah. I learned that in season one of doing this. Yeah. I used to do all this research, have all these questions, yeah. and I'd be over here. You know, that was one of the ones that killed me about your podcast I, that I did with you the first one. Yeah. I started watching it. First five minutes, I am over here hammering away on the computer, so worried about this. You started the damn podcast conversation. I'm like, that's really messed up. My <laughs> guest had to like be like, so guys, how are you doing today? Yeah, like, what's yeah. going on in y'all's world? Yeah. And I'm like, I sat over here like I was ignoring you almost, like hammering away. Drove me absolutely insane. But that, again, I, as soon as it was over, I reflected. I was like, you know what the problem was? I didn't just go up there and talk like I normally do. I, I had this whole thing mapped up in my head. I was so worried about where I was, was going to go. And when I didn't go to that second thing, I locked up. Yep. And then I'm, I'm staring at the sea of people. And then it's like, all right, I got to just come up with something real quick. And then instead of just speaking and staying calm, you, you want, I, I got out of my zone. You want to know what's so funny? So, like, and it was, it was a long, 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 long time ago. By the time I got to college, I was cool because I had, had so many opportunities in high school. But that yeah. happened to me in high school, right? Because I'm the, I'm the high athlete. And everybody wants to hear about me and all that. I, mean, I don't know what to say, man. I play football, right? Uh, but those experiences and those failures got me ready for college. So now when you yeah. put a phone, microphone in front of my face, we're rocking and rolling, right? But you know what people want more than anything, man? They just want authenticity. Mm -hmm. They just want to see, like, hey, man, you know, because people can feel when you're being robotic. Yeah, they absolutely. Don't, they don't respect it. You know, and I think that the reason why people, you know, talk to me about certain things and ask me about my opinion is because I'm authentic. Like, hey, look, if I know something, I'm going to tell you. If I don't know it, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'll, I'll tell you my opinion, what I would do. But I would tell you to seek, you know, the advice from the people that have spent 20, 30 years in that space. Right? Like when we talk about finances, the reason why we're so locked in on things like financial foundational leverage is because that's my wheelhouse. And my wheelhouse comes from experience, right? Yeah. Like, how do we, like when we talk about, like if we want to talk about retirement, things in retirement, right? But what's important to the, the, the 60 year old is different than what's important to the 30 year old. So those are different conversations, right? So because I have, you know, uh, clients and, and associates of that age, 
I'm able to gain that knowledge and ask certain questions. Like, hey, man, what's important to you? Man, I just want $12,000, $13,000 a month. I want to be able to travel, pay for my daughter's wedding, do some cool stuff with my wife, man, and just kind of relax. Okay, cool. How do you get there? What, then then what's financially what worries you? Man, the market. Okay, cool. So then you're over leveraged in the market. Well, hey, did you know lifetime annuities can do this? Insurance, con insurance contracts pay dividends on this. You can have these certain investments as a silent partner on this. You can get a couple of real estate. And why do you get that? Because some of the stuff uh, I've done and some of the stuff the people that I've worked with have done. So I'm bringing experiences to the table that's different than the guy that works yeah. for, you know, Merrill Lynch, the Mer that manages $5 million. Like, that's not his concern. I don't, listen, if I got a million dollars, but I'm making $10,000 a month passively, I'm rich, right? Because wealth is, that's why, and that's why I started to understand, like, all of these experiences started to give me this understanding, man, like, wealth is literally whatever your value is. Some people want to be billionaires. And the people, and, and this is what I found funny, the people that say they want to be billionaires, I ask them why, they can't tell you. I'm going to be the first billionaire in my family. Why? Well, I want to help my mom with this. I want to help. It don't take a billion dollars to do that. So once you help your mom with that, say, say you make $10 million, you can help mom, dad, whoever with, with, with $10 million. Then what? How do you get the other $990 million? And what are you going to do with it? And what's going to drive you to actually do Because that? you got to understand the, see what I think, though, I don't think people understand, like, in order for you to do these things that I'm talking about, they're sacrifices. My sacrifice is that I am not, a, I, I, can, I can say honestly and openly, I do not spend enough time with my family. Do not, at all. That's the sacrifice. But I have my reasons. My reasons is, is because I see certain things that's happening financially, and I read in the Bible that money is a defense. So for me, I want enough money that comes in from different mechanisms in different ways so that if something pops off, I have the freedom to take my family and move to a different place where there's security and there's safety, right? So the sacrifice to be able just to have the fucking opportunity to do that is that I'm missing my daughter grow up. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm missing my five-year-old grow up. I'm missing my 11-year-old and my nine-year-old grow up. My 11-year-old wants to play basketball. I'm not able to do as many basketball practices with him, right? My newborn is here. I'm not really able to spend a lot. Of, there's a sacrifice. Guess what? I'm accustomed to the sacrifice because guess what I had to do to become an athlete? Yeah. I missed Christmases. I, I missed Thanksgivings and all of these things. I missed birthdays. I missed funerals, right? I became ostracized from my family because they're like, oh, he's too good for us. No, everybody on the outside don't understand what the requirement is for me to be in this space, right? Yeah. And why do I, why do I have to explain that to you? Why do you feel like it's your right for me to explain the sacrifice I have to make to make sure that I'm okay and my family's okay? That's crazy to me. Yeah. So I just stopped. So now you can have all the judgments that you want. I don't give a shit, right? Because yeah. when the motherfucker rains, the boat has been built. And now I got, I, come on. Yeah. Come on. I got you. I'm so sorry that it's okay. Because he didn't give a vision to you. He gave it to me. Yeah. Right? And so when we come to serve the Lord, you got to expect yourself to go through the trials and the tribulations of the fire. And I love when people say, you know, they, they always throw this thing out when hard times come, you know, like, man, you know, uh, uh, gold is tried in the fire, baby. You know, uh, iron sharpens iron. 
Yeah, but have you ever really looked at the process? Like you stick that motherfucker in sweltering heat that's, that's hot enough to burn steel, and then you put it on rocks and you beat it, senseless. And then you stick it back in there and then you beat it, right? But what happens when you put yourself in those situations as a person, the brain starts to become harder, right? So you gotta make, you gotta make savage the mind to have a rigorous body, right? And that could be physically or spiritually. You gotta be able to take on the hate. You gotta be able to take on the ridicule. You gotta take all that on. And it could come from anywhere. It could come from your friends that you thought had your back. It could come from your family. It could come from anywhere. And you gotta be like, all right, motherfucker, this is all good. I'm cool yeah. with it. I accept it. Yeah. So I'll be in a place of acceptance. If you're a fucked up individual, I accept that, bro. I don't have to rock with you, but I accept that this is who you want to be. And it's not my job to fix you. And I think that we live in a world where everybody wants to try to fix everybody except their fucking selves. Yeah. Right? I don't. <laughs> I want to help you if you want to help yourself. That's how I start. That's powerful. That's <laughs> so true. Right? So true. How... I want to go back to when you were telling the story about T Troy Polamalu. Yeah, man, that's my that's the day, man. Love that guy. How, Such a how spiritual do you, man. How do you think you stayed in those adversities and through those trials and tribulations? What allowed you to stay humble and to stay coachable? Because I think that's a point you got to because even if you're failing and you're getting your ass kicked by James Harrison and oh, you... Oh, not just James. I got my ass kicked by James, you, Lamar Woodley. Yeah. yeah motherfuckers was <laughs> but I mean, like, you, to you, you're failing. Yeah. And you're, you're trying to dig deep and, and get to a place where you don't feel like you're failing. People start having failures and they shut everything off and they can't hear positive criticism they can't be coached yeah how did you maintain or what process or thought process did you have do you or do you think you had that that allowed you to stay like a sponge and be coachable still in those situations to where a veteran like troy palomalo or james harrison wanted to say hey young lad Give yourself a break here. Yeah. You, you've made it to the NFL. Yeah. Put some time in this and like, hey, man, I, I, I see this in you and I'm going to coach you a little bit here. Bruce Arians helped me with that um, because he believed in me so much, man. Like he was the one. So when I when I left um, Denver, um, he was the one that brought me in when he took the job in Indianapolis. But when I was in Pittsburgh, you know, I was showing signs of, you know, hey, this guy's coming. And I had a fucked up practice. I mean, now granted, not to make excuses, but damn near the whole layer of my foot was ripped off uh, because I had these sweaty socks and it tore the skin off. Like, you know, the, the skin kind of tore it. So yeah. it, it was painful. I had to wait. I would have to get to practice, get taped early, go out there, try to run around and deal with the pain. And it was excruciating. But what I noticed is that after a while, it started to get numb and I couldn't feel it. So I'd have to work to the point to get numbers. I just had a bad, bad practice. And he chewed my ass out, right? And, um, and I, there was nothing I could say because he was right. I wasn't putting in my best effort. It was like poopy pants, right? I was like, man, this fucking, <laughs> fucking suck, man. I'm like, I'm, I'm not, I'm, this is, you know, all of that. We all do it. And we, we, all, we all went out one night and he, he came and sat to me next to the bar and he just was like, man, you have so much potential. 
He says, and everybody believes in you, but until you start believing in you, nothing fucking matters. It's like, just play football. And it was so simple, the message, but to know somebody of that tenure saw something in me, that's when I realized, I was like, okay, fuck these guys, bro. And not in a bad way, right? Yeah. I meant like, fuck trying to prove myself. Or not. Now I'm just going to prove it to myself. So it was, there's never an end goal. I don't have an end goal. There's no finish line. Life is my goal. Everyday life, in that space, life was training camp, cold tubs, hot tubs, massages, uh, uh, sleep exhaustion, studying, getting, putting the fire, all of that stuff. That was my life. And every day I woke up, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm finna kick life's ass today. Whatever the fuck life wants to throw at me, I'm not gonna quit. That was just my thing. Regardless of how it turns out, the one thing they can never say is that I quit. I just, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to face myself if I quit, right? And I think that's what happens. Like, nobody expects you to be perfect. Right? Nobody really expects you to be perfect. People know that people make mistakes, right? But it's something about getting up every morning and having an attack mindset on life, right? How can I be, okay, I'm weak here, how do I get strong? Okay, I'm weak here, how do I get, so, you know, I double down on my strengths and triple up on my weaknesses, right? And I think that if we, if we all took that approach, somewhere in the midst of that pile of shit, you're gonna find yourself, man. And you're gonna have a confidence about yourself to where you can step in a room with other individuals that have achieved something, and you don't look at them as though they're the problem. Oh, this guy's fucking greedy, he makes all this money. What does he need to make all that money for? Oh, this guy thinks he's everything because he did X. You, you do that because innately, there's something fucked up about you that you just don't like. So you project it on other people. I'm not doing that, man. I'm not yeah. judging you, dude. Like, do you. <laughs> I think that kind of goes back to, like, because it allows you to set standards for yourself and standards to hold yourself against. Yeah. And hold yourself to. You know, I, I still think one of my favorite things out of, you got, out of all these guys teasing me about being the white Mike Tomlin. You are and the white Mike you guys, Tomlin. And then you guys tell me all the stories it's about true. Mike Tomlin. This is true. And him always <laughs> saying it. I used to, I used to think it was like the craziest. It, it, it blew up busy. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it was like the craziest thing to hear, you know, and it used to annoy me when he would get on there and just be like, people would ask him questions. The standard is a standard and we didn't meet the standard today. Yeah. And like, well, what the hell does that mean? And oh, like, man. But then when you start thinking about it and then when I talk to you and Jonathan and you guys are like, yo. You got to have a standard, and everybody is held accountable to that standard, and we hold each other accountable to that standard. Accountability, brother. And, like, there's only one team in the NFL that's had five coaches since its existence, and the Rooney stand behind those dudes 1,000%. And as long as you're toeing the line and keeping the standard, they back you a thousand percent. So I ain't heard a single one of you say anything differently. Mike Tomlin by far was the best coach I've ever had. And I'm gonna tell you why. It had nothing to do with the X's and O's. 
he was the best coach I ever had because the things that he taught about life, some of those things are the principles that I teach my children. I want you to, I want you to think about that. This man has such an impact on how, he's, how he carried himself then into this day. Check his track record and show me a losing season. You won't find one. And last year he had probably the worst team that he's ever had. How do you pull a team like that to have a season to where they finish with a winning record? There's something different. Like he just has this innate ability to allow you to become a man. And I think that that's what it is. So when we talk about the standard, the standard at Pittsburgh was next man up. Like shit's gonna happen. But when you get your opportunity, we expect the same production from you as the backup player because you're not a backup player this week. You're the starter. When I ran out there on that field as the starting right guard for the Pittsburgh Steelers, I'm the, I was the starter, right? And so now, even in business, I carry that same thought process. And I'm hard on my team. I'm, I'm hard on all my team because there's a place that we want to go and there's a place that we need to get there. We're not going to get there being half-ass on anything, right? And if you don't want to work that way, then that's fine, man. No problem, man. I appreciate what you've done. When we, when we get this thing to where we're going to get it, man, you got a check coming for your work for believing in me, but I don't think this is going to work, right? Because I'm not lowering my standard to cater to your laziness because people depend on us. Like, businesses depend on us. The businesses are waiting on us to get our shit going because they need help, right? And so when you come from that space, I think that that's the thing that causes you to say, I can't take a day off. <laughs> can't take a day off, man. And I think that that was the thing that Mike has instilled and he continues to instill in this day. Like, the, the, the amount of production that he can get from guys that, man, I'll never forget, we had a guy named uh, Pat Bailey. This dude went to Duke, bro. Duke ain't got no good football team. But Pat Bailey, week in and week out, was the special team standout for Pitt. He made his bones on special teams, right? And I just remember seeing him like, that's a guy that believes. That's a guy that believes in the standard is the standard. So when you see, and then when you have a whole group of people that have that same thought process, man, that thing's powerful. That's how you win the Super Bowl. And that's how you, that's how you go to another Super Bowl in three years. We went to two Super Bowls in three years with that thought process. So yeah, standard is always gonna be the standard. Even in your podcast with how you and Busy are getting things done, like man, y'all not doing things half-ass. Y'all are consistent. And, and the, numbers, the numbers will show over time. And then what'll happen is, is everybody will say you're lucky. Congratulations. You've now reached a space to where people are calling it luck instead of understanding that it was the hard work and the consistency that got you to that, that pivotal point. Yeah, man. That, I mean, that's life, though. Like, yeah. yeah. I can reflect on that within my personal career and everything else. Like, but, yeah, you, you got to have those. You got to go through all that. You got to put in the work. Mm. And just doing it. I mean, a lot of time it's, like you said earlier, it's just doing it. Who grows out of comfort? Yeah, like if you if you just try to educate yourself and you don't put any you don't put any of it into practice, what'd you do? Okay, you in one ear out the other. Yeah. You didn't apply it. Yeah. 
That's I, how I got here. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I took information. So my degree was in learning and applied development. So I went to school to learn how to learn. So I'll take information and then go test it against the market and get punched in the face. Like, okay, that didn't work. Let's put that to the side. Get some, go take, that didn't work. Get, oh, found one. Keep it. And you continue that process. And now it's just become a part of life, right? Yeah. So I think for, what, for anybody that's listening, man, like, if there's something that you want to do, like they tell you, the, the, the wealthiest, I'll ask you, I'll ask you the question. Where do you think the wealthiest place is? Physically, the wealthiest place? Just the wealthiest place anywhere. Where you think the wealthiest Like city or country or? Just the wealth, whatever it is to you, the wealthiest place that you can think of. What do you think, where do you think that is? The wealthiest place to me would be somebody that has the freedom to do whatever they want with their time. I like that answer. I would, I would challenge you and say that the wealthiest place is in the graveyard. Because in the graveyard are so many inventions and ideas that never came to fruition because people were too scared to take the risk. They were too scared about what people thought. They were too scared about if I fail. They were too scared to say, I got a family, I don't want to take. They were too scared. And I would say that there is a lot of people that missed out on whatever that invention would have been because of the fact that they were too scared. That's why you just gotta say, man, listen, man, your purpose gotta be bigger than the ridicule because you never know who, who you can help. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I wanna dive into this, and I'm not really sure how to dive into this with you, but I do wanna Pay talk it about- it first, brother. Yeah, so, <laughs> but I, I, wanna, I wanna know your opinion and why you recommend this book. We hinted at it earlier on, and like I said, the creature from Jekyll Island. Yeah. You came to me when Alicia and I were doing the podcast afterwards, and you and I were hanging out talking, and you were like, bro, you want your mind to be blown? Go listen to this book. Yeah. And I downloaded that night, and I've been an hour here, 30 minutes there, you know, in the car, on the (laughs) stair climber, whatever, because it's just... It's an overwhelming piece of knowledge. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I had to buy the hardback considering I couldn't get through yeah. the audio. I was like, this thing's got to look like the old school encyclopedias yeah, yeah. that were in our house. It's got to be 10 book series yeah. or something. It, it it's like thick. that thick. But yeah. the Audible, it just feels like it goes on forever. It's like, like something like 20 something hours. It's yeah, it has to download in sections. Yeah. Like it won't even download the whole thing to your phone. Yeah. No matter if you have like the highest gigabyte whatever <laughs> iPhone, like you got to do it in sections and then it'll download the next section. Yeah. Tell people why you recommend that book and and maybe like a quick synopsis of your take on it because I think it's really powerful. Like a lot of people call it uh anti-capitalist that's what they say. Yeah, like anti-capitalist uh, conspiracy theory, yeah. but like, it's not. A theory I'm sitting here like looking at this, like, how would I even <laughs> verify all of this stuff? Like, I don't yeah. even know where you would begin to verify all of it, but it would seem impossible to me to make up that many hours of complete bullshit. No, that man. And put- and so much of it makes so much sense that you're just like you're overwhelmed. <laughs> 
is the whole world just fucked? Like, yeah. I mean, like. So, so here's the thing. <laughs> that book was that. I wish I could take credit of saying I discovered it, but no. Uh, no, that person has already informed me yeah. that he was the person that turned you on to yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so it was actually a guy um, uh, that I heard it first from. It was this guy named Eric. He's, uh, he works with uh, a hedge fund company in the oil and gas space. He, very brilliant man. Very brilliant, man. You want to know about Doc Jonathan, Jordan? I hope you're listening no, to this because no, yeah. he's not giving you credit, bro. No, because Jay did tell me about it, but that's <laughs> not where I first heard it. I first heard it from Eric, and then Jay told me about it, and then after he told me about yeah. it, that's when I was like, all right, let me go check it out. But um, the reason why that book is so important is because, first of all, the information that's in there, you can look this information up. Yeah, right? it's just a lot. You, I mean, you're seriously gonna have to do your research. He, he, and that's a guy that that's a guy that gave years. Yeah, he's of, ninety something years old yeah, now. He gave years of his life to studying this stuff mm-hmm. too, right? So it's one thing for me just to talk about it, but at, like you said, about ninety something years old, that means he actually was living it. I looked it up because I like wanted to try to get him on the podcast or something. Yeah. I was like, that guy would be. He was living it, man. Dope. And so when you look at the things that took place back in those particular times, everybody they always always easy to point to. To the stock market crash right yeah but there was always crashes within the stock market you know the, the great depression happened and that was like the longest tenured one but there was always like these flash crashes and things that took place when you started to see where the cut like at one point in time america was like almost out of debt but but you can't america's we don't understand it's not a country it's literally a corporation the United States of America is a corporation. So you can't make money that is not plausible. It, it can't be attached to uh, physical commodity. Because then how can we, because we, banks make money through what? Through loans, right? So debt. They make, that's how they, de- debt. They make money through loans and debt. So it's only so much debt that I can incur if it's attached to this thing. So if $1 represents 10 pieces of gold, then there's only so many dollars that we have in circulation. But if I can remove the gold standard, now I can print money in circulation and just incur a lot of debt. And that's where the money is made. That's why Trump told you he's the king of debt because he figured it out, right? So the reason why that book is important is because it shows you what the government is truly doing, not for you to come out and do these cool ass things and say, did you know this, did you know that? Did you? Who gives a shit if you knew it? For me, it was like, ah. I see how UMFers are working. Now I need to start creating a strategy for myself to be able to counteract all of the things that you're doing. And that book is the catalyst and the foundational principle of how we move our company now. Why I want to, to work with so many people in a referral space. Yeah. Because if something falls off, the next thing jumps back on. You got to be able to have that residual. The residual and the passive, that's the thing that's going to keep you safe. So it's cool if you can earn a whole bunch of money, but how many of us can be Mark Cuban? Yeah. How many of us can be Melvin Nunnery? You know what I mean? You know, not an actor, not an athlete. You're not a singer. You're not this business tycoon. What if you're, you know, the, the, the construction worker that's yeah. trying to start a podcast? Yeah. Well, hell, I need to know how to protect my, my family financially too. So what is really happening with my money? What are the entities that I can use to lower my taxable effect, uh, my taxable, um, uh, uh, my taxable effect, for lack of a better word, right? Um, 
Those are things that we have to start to research and find out. Because look, if you make $150,000 W-2, roughly 40% of that is going to the government, it's kind of hard, even though you're making good money. But if I make $150,000 and I only got to pay 10% in taxes, now we're talking. How do we do that? Right? And I think that that book gives you a great foundation on what the Federal Reserve is, how the government is actually moving money, and now you can start to create these formulas and strategies for yourself to counteract those particular things. Because you're not going to stop it. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff's so, been around since the 1800s, bro. So what do you think the creature is, and why do you think it's called the creature from Jekyll Island? Because if you just saw that sitting on the shelf, yeah, you're not even going to remotely think that this book is about what it's actually about. Because Jekyll Island is where they, they, um, the prominent figures. This stuff goes deep, man. So, I know it does. That's why I so, wanted to... So, you go deep, so that's why I wanted to do this. Yeah, so... Um, I forget, I forget his, uh, his, his name. It was Nelson. God dang it. Got me excited. Nelson Aldrich was a political figure. He was the one that headed up everything. And then you had uh, Paul Warburg, um, Rockefeller was a part of it. There's all these different people, according to the book. Let me say that, because I, I don't need no problems yeah. from y'all, right? Uh, <laughs> we know who y'all are, right? Send the book. <laughs> but they uh, formulated this group to come up with the concept and actually put in play the Federal Reserve, which is not, has anything to do with the government. It's, it's private-owned entities, right? And so they went to uh, a place called Jekyll Island, which I believe was in Georgia. Yeah, it's like outside, an island outside of North Carolina. North Carolina or somewhere, or somewhere like around yeah. there, right? And that, that was the name of the place where they went. Yeah. And it was so crazy because they, they, they paid off all of the workers at that space, at that resort, brought in their own people, and they only used aliases, right? Because they couldn't allow the government to know that this was a private entity that came through and created this, this space to deal with the, the people's money because it would never pass, which is why they called it the Federal Reserve, right? And so the, the, the creature is actually the Federal Reserve itself. Jekyll Island is where the Federal Reserve was created back in 1913, I believe it was, right? Which now, if you talk about conspiracy theories, they had always talked about the Federal Reserve, but you had some prominent figures back in the cut they was like, hell no, we're not doing that. We're not giving up power to, no way, there's no way. So then what happens in around 1909, 1910? The invention of the Titanic. And it just so happens, if you're talking about the most talked about, sought after, it wasn't televised because I don't even know they had TVs, but news printed event ever was the indestructible ship. Every wealthy person would have been on that ship. But some of them were not, and some of them were. And the theory goes that it was the ones that weren't with it that somehow, someway ended up on that ship. And then three years later, the Federal Reserve. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> right? So the reason why that book is so important is because it goes into the understanding of how the government, the banks, and the Federal Reserve all operate as one entity. So they tell you, and then they have their own plays, right? Global recession, 
economic downturns, war times, wars, all of these things. But what is backed by all of this money? Right. So I've learned that wisdom is the principal thing. You want to gain wisdom. But with all I get and get understanding, because when you have the understanding of how something works, now you know how to maneuver within that thing. So a lot of us are playing uh, chess with checker pieces and wondering why we can't win the game. When you start grabbing this old information, oh, you know what, that's a little pawn right there. That's my knight. Hey, that's a rook. Where the hell is the queen and the king at? Yeah. You know what I mean? Here's my bishop pieces. Yeah. You start to cre create and collaborate and grab these pieces to play the right yeah. game. Right? I need that rook. You know, like, who, who can be my rook? You yeah. know, like, I need to find that person that can help yeah. me add that to my game. Ah, bro, that's, and that's what we're doing. That's why the networking is so, and I, man, and, and I, won't, I won't talk about my partners and keep them to myself, but I got some, got some badass guys, man, that, I, that, that know some stuff, man. And I'm, I'm just so fortunate to be amongst those people uh, for them giving me the knowledge so that because ultimately it's about me being able to pass that knowledge down to my family you know what that that's the way I feel about this podcast at this at least right now if, if this never turns into anything else which I, I of course think it will absolutely but even if it didn't the connections the friendships and the networking that I have made just doing this and throwing it out there and taking those steps absolutely invaluable like to have these conversations with individuals like yourself and to become friends with someone like yourself and to be able to sit share some spirits have a cigar and then to share that with everybody else that actually pays attention to this or watches this yeah i think it's invaluable because you don't how many people pay shit tons of money oh, a lot. to sit and have a conversation like this a lot man and to learn these lessons and to to have that open time with someone like yourself listen i'm one of them bro i, I know i'll drop fifteen hundred dollars quick yeah if you're gonna give me something that i don't know that's yeah. legit i'll pay that you'll go because, sit in that course what because it's it's so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna make so much more or, and it, it might not even be a, um, a return back from it financially. My, fi my, my resource that I want to extract the value, again, it's, money is a value trade. Um, my resource is money for your value and for your knowledge base. So now that I've paid you whatever cost you, you've, get, you've given me, right? I've paid you, I'm, I now have access that's something that I think people need to start thinking about too, is like, how do we get access? For me, I get access because of my past. Yeah. There's not a CEO, CFO, CIO, CTO, any corporate exec in a place in Dallas, Texas, that I can't get on the phone with and go have a, a, a one hour meeting. Not one. Cause they all at the Cowboys club. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I don't even have to pay for that. I buy them a drink, I sit a cigar. They want to talk to me about ball. Great. I'll tell you all the stories. I'll tell you how Troy was now when we tell played. Me this I'll story. tell you about B-Doc. I played with him, too. I played with Hall of Famers, bro. I'll tell you about them all. In return for my experience, which is my value, yeah. you now have to give me information on these things in your space because I heard about them. So what's true and what's not? And so when I speak now, 
I'm not speaking from a theoretical space. I'm speaking from the experience of an individual that's been in this space for 15, 20, 30 years. How does somebody, you, use me as an example maybe, how does somebody that, that wasn't an athlete, yeah. that wasn't, doesn't have that. I love that, this question. How, how do you coach people to be able to have those same conversations and get those kind of meetings? It goes back to what I said. You got to be a problem solver. So here's a way. You, you Google the CEO of Coca-Cola and you find out Coca-Cola sales have plummeted in the investment space, right? And now you start digging and you find some sort of key problem that maybe somebody might have overlooked. So maybe you send an email out to, hey, have you guys ever looked at, have you guys ever thought about, have you, and that might not get any play, but one day maybe somebody sees it and it's the answer to their problem. Guess what Coca-Cola's gonna fucking do? Who the fuck gave you this information? Some rando gave it to me. Bring him up. Right? And all of a sudden, now you got a corporate <laughs> spot at Coca-Cola. Now, does that happen? I don't know, but I'm giving you an example yeah. of how important being a problem solver is. So people that are connectors, that understand how energy works and how people work, like psychology, bro, like I'm getting into psychology now. Yeah. I'm learning to become a wonderful storyteller. Because if you can You're tell, a pretty damn good storyteller. I'm learning, man. I don't think it's going to take a lot of learning on that point. They do call you the preacher for yeah. a reason. I'm learning, though, man. I'm learning to find out. Okay. A lot of people... I see a lot of people in, in this space where they mess up. They, they, lack, they, they lack being off, authentic. And they're, they're so enamored by closing that you forget that you're interacting with the human. So I vet my clients, right? So like, what's important to you? What are your values? What are your aspirations? And then we go deep, like, oh man, you know, I wanna take care of my wife. Nah, I gotta be bigger than that. What? What do you mean? This is, this is my world, she's my, yeah, I know that. But your wife's gonna die one day, bro. You might live longer than your wife. Then that, that means that your goal is now done. That, it can't be just that. Like what? And then you start, I want a legacy for my kids. I want to be able to create change in this. I want to be able to know that I did everything that I was supposed to do. And okay, now we're getting somewhere. Okay, how can we help you get there? All I do is create the foundation for your finances, right? But is there some experiences or somebody in my network that I have that can help you reach other levels? Now I just don't become a wealth strategist that helps somebody with money. Now I become an important figure in your life because this guy knows people that can help me get to what my true intrinsic value is. That's why I collect good people. And I'm yeah. really locked in on my brothers, man. I want strong men around me, right? Um, your brothers are legit. I've, I've gotten to meet a couple of them now. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. are interesting characters. The Hills family uh, <laughs> runs strong with characters. <laughs> got a lot of them, man. We got a lot of them. But, you know, in, 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 in those, guys, those guys, man, they, they're doing some great things. But you start to create bonds and friendships with, with other brothers as well, man. You know, I've met some, I met some pretty cool individuals. And I always try to attach myself to people that have been through struggle. I, I want to ask you something yeah. without it getting too controversial, but it, okay. may, it very well may. All right. I talked to another prominent individual that you and I both know. Mm. I'll tell you off the air. I don't want to call him out like that. Okay. 
But I asked him a question because when I saw his client base, and he he operates in the financial field as well, and uh, I was like, all of your clients are African American. Everybody's black in Mm -hmm. your portfolio. Mm -hmm. Are you against helping somebody that is white or Mexican or you know whatever like? Why? Why is everybody in your portfolio African American? Mm-hmm. And he sat back for a minute before he answered me, and I could see the wheels turning. And he was like, "Honestly, I had some guys of other races and ethnicities in in my portfolio before, but he said when I started coaching them and trying to help them with their map and their strategy and all this." They would then turn around and go talk to mom or dad or so-and-so or this agent and this and that. And then they're coming back to me, and it's like, I can't take advice from this black man. And I've got to – now I'm having to justify myself to them and work ten times harder when really they came to me in the beginning. But then when I dropped the knowledge – then all of a sudden they're questioning me and my knowledge that I shared with them yeah. or the strategy or the map that I laid out in front of them. Yeah. He goes, so it's not that I won't or that I wouldn't. It's that I don't feel like I spend my time best trying to convince somebody why they should take knowledge from me. Yeah, because who, who, like, what? Do you, but do you or have you ran into that? from the aspect because you're in a little different space than he is yeah 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 do you battle that too because I was kind of mind blown at the time because no. I was like I didn't think that was that big of an issue like shit in my mind in the financial world I mean especially the financial world you've done or him a hundred x times what I've ever been able to accomplish yeah I, I can see that yeah. I mean I can ta- it's a tangible thing I can see it I can touch it I know what you've done. Yeah. But then I'm going to question that because of your skin color? Yeah. Like... Bias. Or... It might not be racism. It could be, ra- it could be bias. Racial bias. Right. Like, everything is... Everything... Everything ain't got... Everything ain't about racism. Right. Right? There's a propaganda that's here that pits us against each other, right? We understand that. Putting sometimes everybody it, in a box. Yeah. But sometimes it could be bias. Listen, man. Every beast likens unto its kind. You know what I mean? Um... You know, there, there's no question that white people feel more comfortable around white people. Mexicans feel more comfortable around Mexicans. Blacks feel more comfortable around blacks. Why? Because there's a relatability. What happens is that you have certain individuals that's able to get outside of that and that, are, that can articulate the different plights and things that's going on with their situation and their people. And you have other individuals on the opposite side that although they'll never be able to um, sympathize, is it sympathize or empathize? It's one of them sympathize right they'll never be able to relate they can have empathy towards yeah man you know what i fucking see that bro and and i don't want to be a part of that so what can i and then when you when you meet those individuals those individuals are the ones that are different ethnicities that become your clients yeah uh if if you're a traditional you know white guy that grew up around white people that never grew up around anybody else then you're not gonna you go you're gonna question everything you know and then you know and then some of that could be a, um, a disparity in difference because there's, there, you know, I get questioned 
by, by white people, but I also understand they're very, um, they want to know the details. I, I, a lot of them want to know the details about how everything works because I don't want to get fucked over. There's that too. Yeah. So, this I, is it a hustle? Yeah, yeah. So it, it could be a little bit of everything. It's all, it's a gumbo. It's all of that. Yeah. For me, because of my situation, um, I deal with all different types of ethnicities because I deal with all different types of business owners. So, and because my offering is different. Yeah. I'm not offering to come to manage your portfolio of millions of dollars that you make. Yeah. I'm saying you're fucking losing money of your bottom line because you're not offering your employees anything and they're quitting. And so you're losing time, right? Because you got to find somebody to replace them. You're losing money because now you've invested into that. Every time you hire somebody, that's an investment. So you invested in that person and they just walked away and you're losing knowledge because if they were there three, four, five years and understood how the systems work and everything, and then they walk out the door, you just lost five years of knowledge, right? So you're not questioning me because here I come with a package that's of no cost to you or very minimal, right? So you're like, yeah, I want that. So it's that simple for me. Yeah. Uh, but if I was an investment portfolio manager and, and being quite candid, being quite open and transparent, this is one of the things that I thought about as being a financial advisor because in that space, you're gonna be working with the average age of the people you're gonna be working with that really have the money is gonna be 50 to 70 year old white men. So here this black guy come with the, with the, with the boat hawk and the jewelry on and the drip. And I'm saying, hey, man, you should have let me invest your money in the stock market. Hold the fuck on. <laughs> right? Yeah. So now I got to prove to you. And that's, it's, that, there's nothing wrong with that. It's nothing nah. wrong for me having to prove my value. I think that that's where we've gotten soft as a people, as, as, as an entire country. Is that, oh, my God, how dare I prove myself? Right? Yeah. No, you got to. How, how dare you question yeah. me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to. But at the same time, I really feel like when you look at it just statistically, I think it's cool that he's helping a lot of black people and has black people in his portfolio because, quite honestly, we need the most help. We need the most help financially. We're the, we're, we're the, we consume the most. $1.6 trillion, $7 trillion in consumerism comes from us, right? Uh, we, uh, we're, we're projected in 2050 that the, the, the average net worth for melanated people in this, in this country will be zero. So we're financially fucked, you know, if we don't, and, and a lot of that is because I, from what I've seen, I'm gonna talk to my experience. From what I've seen when it comes to us, we want to sound smart, but we don't want to dig deep and sacrifice on what it takes to really gain that wealth. Dude, I spend hours upon hours. I have two days dedicated just to studying. I only uh, do uh, RGA, uh, uh, revenue generating activities three days out of the week. Monday and Friday is with my team and me studying. And I won't change that. And that might not be the best business practice. I don't give a fuck. Because I know that when you talk to me and I'm talking about these things in my wheelhouse, you can't tell me shit. That's my space. And I put the time in. That's where the confidence comes from. This ain't me. Man, we've been building our systems, G, for six months, bro. I know, we, and I know it's driving you nuts because you're one of those people that when you figure something out, I want to go. You want to go and execute. Yeah, but what it's taught me is it's it's also been a blessing because we're still bringing in clients from the things that we've done in the past, right? And I know where we're headed in the future, but we're in that present, and in that present, things are moving slow. So it's teaching me patience, and I'm like, you know what, dude? This is fucking okay, bro. Yeah, it's okay that it's, it's taking you six months. It's okay that you just you're doing a lot of studying and you know you're not building the clientele base up as high as you want to. It's okay. Yeah. Because when you go, 
Oh man, the foundation is gonna be so. You solid. have the map though, That's and the you're point. you're tracking across that map, and you know where that map's leading. That's the point. Yeah. So to that to that gentleman's uh, to answer that question, man. Um, like I said, I, like like he said, I don't think it's that. I mean, we'll we'll help anybody that wants to help. It just so happens in his industry and with his portfolio, the people that wants to help look like him. Yeah. Interesting. I really was curious what your thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. What's up, Biz? You were you got you got the five figure discount. <laughs> oh, he's trying to keep us on track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why we moved to Thursday, Biz. That's what I realized when I stopped and I Yeah, we don't got people running behind us going, get the hell off of here. Shut the hell up. To stat media team. You guys better take this video and push this shit for the next six months. <laughs> 20 second videos. Yeah. Nope, media team. And for everybody else out there, <laughs> I hope you go back and watch this because this man always just drops wisdom and knowledge and shares so much that, again, like, I can't be grateful enough to have him on my show again. Man, listen, man, I'm, I'm, I'm honored, bro. Like, really, like, I'm in a space in my life. Because you're talking about, you know, being in your 40s. I'll be 39 in November. Yeah. Um, but, bro, I'm excited about 40s. I'm excited. Like, I feel like I'm, 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 I'm getting where I want to be mentally. I'm definitely getting where I want to be physically. I'm, 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 I'm pushing some weight around in my 40s, man. Yeah. And, um... And I'm, I'm, I'm loving what I'm doing with business. The thing about, because people always ask me, I get this question all the time. Do you miss it? Football. Do you miss it? No. My story is different. There's you a have contract. purpose. Yeah, I, has a, well, I do, but there was a contract on the table that I had already signed when I said, you know what, I'm out. I've done what I need to do. It's time to do. I was able to, I walked away on my own terms. I don't have the, the story of I still have something left and they didn't, give me a, they didn't let me keep going or I aged out of the position or any of that. I walked away. What I miss is the camaraderie. This is locker room conversation to me, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I miss that part. But the game, no. Because you did I, everything you could do in the game. I did, I did everything that I was supposed to. My story was already written in that space and I'm, and I'm humbled and I'm, I'm honored that God gave me that opportunity. Uh, and it taught me so much and it's prepared me now for this. But the most important thing for me, though, is that I can't pass down the NFL to my kids. But Stat Financial, oh, they, they, that's theirs. That's theirs. And that's important to me. Because I study, like, the Sam Waltons. You know what I mean? I study yeah. those type of people. You know, you look at uh, uh, Ralph Lauren. You look at uh, Gucci. You look at... Um, uh, Merrill and Lynch, right? You look at all of these families that have started something. These companies that people just frivolously invest their money in, these were people's, these are people's names. These were their ideas. Comcast, Xfinity, all that. These were just their ideas. So I have an idea. And I know the importance of having an idea and executing on that. And the good thing about it is that, man, listen, I'm not in a rush, bro. I got time. I'm young, man. If I was playing ball, I'd be the old head. But in business, man, people I talk to, some of the guys that have taken to me 50, 60, 70 years old. You know, important lessons there, though, like 
you're in that space because you take care of your mental health, your physical health. You, you know, you have, you have other purposes, you have other goals, other passions, other desires, and you're, you're, you have a plan to succeed that. A lot of these guys, they get some crazy injury, they, they lose that, and then they, they're chasing that. Like the dad that still wants to coach his kid to do that and more, and you've, you've put these things into place to where you don't have that. You, you know, like, I think that's a, you're still building, you're still growing. You're, you're not just Tony Hills, the football player. Like, there's you, so much more of that, and you, you know that, Nick. You, that resonates from you, but I don't, I don't see that from every single one. Like, I've been blessed to sit with other league friends of yours yeah. at, in, in a suite, and, you know, there's one that comes to my mind that I don't even know if y'all were on the same team at any point in time, but I know y'all are close friends, but, like, you can see it written all over him. Like, he doesn't know what to do with his life. I, I don't know what he does today. I mean, I know he made enough money in the NFL. He was one of the premier guys, had some horrific injuries, and his career was cut short. Yeah. He looks like a man walking around without a purpose yeah. now. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you may even know who I'm talking about just saying this right now. But, well, like, I'm sitting here and I'm like, Man, that's so sad. Like he's How do such, we get there, though? But, like, that's somebody that needs help. But how do we get there? How do we get to be yeah. that person? And because everything in our community teaches us that sports is our identity. Yeah. Right? And you have some players, you know, like the LeBron James of the world. The basketball yeah. side of things have done really well of, of creating things outside of themselves. And it's starting to matriculate into football now. But in our community, man, sports is everything. Yeah. And the reality of the situation is, is that other things need to be put. Like, you were made fun of if you were the nerd in school. Right. Which I could never understand. I hung out with everybody. Yeah. Right? Because, because I'm, I'm inquisitive, man. I want to know, like, man, why the fuck you do that? Man, like, bro, like, why are you studying that? What do they do? And, like, people will talk to me because of what I did, and they look at my background, and they're like, oh, man, he don't really care about that. I'm like, motherfucker, if I didn't care, I wouldn't ask you. I want to know. Like, yeah. Don't, hold, don't withhold information from me. I want to know. Yeah. Because it might be something that you tell me that, that, that could help Changes me. Changes my life. Yeah. So don't hold back on me. But, like, I've, I've been that type of kid. Most guys, they get to the NFL, and, and you've heard even people like maybe Eric Thomas talk about this. I know David Goggins has talked about this. But they get to the NFL, and that was the goal. And so now you phase out. Or the big paycheck. Or the big paycheck, and that was the goal. And so now you phase out. Hell, one guy, you can see it, Ezekiel Elliott. When he came in as a rookie, hungry. Man, listen, uh, was it Legion of Boom? Cam Chancellor? I ain't never seen a running back seek out Cam Chancellor. He was two years in. Like, hey, I want you to know I'm here. Got comfortable. What happens in retirement with guys that make a lot of money? They get comfortable. You see them gain weight. You see them start getting, they, they become fat asses. Nobody ever believed, bro, at one point, bro, you were the premier player at your position. You were that guy. Yeah. And now you're just this fat dude walking around talking about the shit you used to do. And that's because you stopped you stop, you stop chasing something, man. Yeah. You stopped chasing whatever that thing was. Your that drug ended. Yeah. And that's why I know, like, man, when you become a civilized human being, you're dead, bro. When you allow 
other people to dictate who you are, you're dead, bro. And when you start to believe your own hype, you're dead, bro. I don't, man. People talk about like, oh, man, you did this, you did that. That's cool, man. Now, listen, man. That's just over. <laughs> that ain't even, I don't even think about that anymore. No, it's over. It was cool. I loved it when I, when I did it. But I'm doing this now. And this presents its own challenges. Now I got people that depend on me outside of my family. I got people that are we're, we're building a startup from the ground up. I got people that are sacrificing their, their times with their families to help me build. Man, it's different. Yeah. That's why I'm the way that I am. Yeah. Like, I put my team over anybody's. I believe in them like that. And we're coming. And it starts with me. And that's why I challenge myself. That's why I, I get four hours of sleep, five hours of sleep a day. That's why I'm up every day at four. It, every day I wake up, it's me versus the alarm clock. Don't you hit that fucking snooze button. Get your ass up, man. Go to the gym, right? And am I, do I hit it every day? No. Hell, I slept in a day. Wasn't on purpose. My alarm didn't go off. I woke up at 6.20. For me, 6.20 is sleeping in. Yeah. But you know what? I fucking got to the weight room and got it in. What did I sacrifice? Time at the office. I only got five hours in because I, I committed to this podcast and I'm happy that I did it. So that's just showing you like everything ain't going to be perfect. Yeah. But you don't make excuses. Mike Tomlin, no excuses, no explanations, only results. I remember that. Never forget it. It's awesome, man. Yeah. It's the goal, man. I, I want to get Mike <laughs> Tomlin on here someday. Like, and I'm oh. going to do a podcast oh. with Mike Tomlin. If like. he come out here, I'm coming. Yeah. I'll sit my ass right here on the floor. Yeah. If I got to. I know they redesigning and rebuilding here. Yeah. We'll, if we'll, he come, I'm if he we'll come, put I'm that together at some point, hopefully. That, that's Mike T, man, we love to have you in Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll forego all my cowboy love to, to do that because <laughs> I appreciate greatness and I can respect that. Yeah. to the utmost well man we need to wrap this up I'm going to challenge you because I'm going to go back and see if you say the same shit yeah. I know you're not going to because that's like almost impossible for you to do <laughs> but now's the time for the two questions alright let's do it alright especially now that you got a newborn at home yeah man it's going to be growth it'll probably be a different answer yeah. we're always growing but let's, let's see if it, the core of it is the same alright so you get to leave your children with one piece of advice, what's, what, what's, what are you going with? It's not Any category. Tr don't. Tr tr trust God and trust God's purpose for your life. That's trust a different God answer. And trust, trust God and trust God's purpose for your life. Yeah. Because if you do those two things and everything else around it, man, it don't, it don't fucking matter, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, God got a purpose for your life, man. Stay in that purpose. Don't let nobody pull you out of that. And then normally I just say share some common sense with us, but share some, <laughs> share, if you haven't said it already tonight, if there's something else you held back and you just yeah. want to share some knowledge or drop some knowledge on the people that are watching and listening, what common sense do you have for everybody Seek to the leave suck. the show? Say it again. Seek the suck. When shit is hard, it's fucking adversity everywhere, and you, 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 you just don't feel like you're going to make it, run towards that. Go to that dark place. There's a great, great quote, and you've heard me say it a million times, by one of my favorite characters in the DC verse, Bane. When he cool. says that he was born in the darkness. He's, he told Batman, you merely adopted it. I was born in it, molded by it. 
Seek that. Because in that darkness, when you come out, man, it's a glorious light. But in that darkness is where you find yourself. So when you come into the light, you know exactly who you are. You can never change through comfort. You can only change through adversity. Right? Like, constantly endure. It's the pain, the experiences, the mistakes. Yeah. That if you yeah. take that in stride, yeah. that's where you grow. Pain is where peace is. Pain Absolutely. is found through suffering. So that's the common sense. Well, man, I want to thank you <laughs> tremendously Absolutely, for joining man. me again. Yeah. I love sitting down and chopping shop with you. You're welcome back on the show anytime. Appreciate it. Keep us posted with what Staff Financial is doing. Any of y'all that want to rock with Tony and Stat Financial, he's on my social media. Yeah. You guys can find links to him there. DM me, hit me up. I will connect you directly. He's more than happy to work with you, help Thanks. you. That's what he does. He won't big time you. I can promise you that. No, like man. he's one of the like <laughs> biggest gentle giants you've ever met, and he's just an all-around good dude. Or he wouldn't have been on here twice. I can tell you that right now. So, hope you guys enjoyed the show. We'll see you again next week on Thursday with another great episode. Peace. <laughs>